G'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name's Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where we get to hang out with some really cool sailors. But of course I have to share the mic with my two idiot mates. Unfortunately again, it is only one of the idiots. Let's bring him in. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr Nick Boss, Bossy. You're looking a little windblown mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's from all the all the hot air in the bar, I reckon, up there. Yeah, yeah. So I've been looking at the weather. Yeah. Current in Ireland. What is it? Day four of the worlds. Oh mate. How many races in? One. <laughs> One. Just, oh. It's a glass off. It's a perpetual glass off. It's insane. Wow. They've, Unbelievable. It, it's never normally like this. Well, even bigger classics. than that, right? So the PRO is like the world's coolest dude. Is Peter Crowley? Um, I, I'm, I've got my, I've got a new oh, best mate, Pe- Pedro. Yeah, yeah, I've got yep. a new best mate. The guy is awesome. Um, and um, he said to me the other day, they've never lost a race uh, in a regatta. And they've never missed, uh, lost a day in a regatta. And this club was formed in 1720. So, <laughs> so I think we've had, we've had one. We've had a major. Well, speaking of 1720, you're actually in the club rooms now, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Must be bringing back some memories when they're laying the foundation, <laughs> if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. You're oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. you're currently situated in what do we call it? The model room, the library, members' room. I think it's called. It's got all those things. It's a library. It's got all the book, uh, the boat hulls. Um, there's some, you know, there's a lot of tradition here. World's oldest yacht club. World's nicest people mm. is probably the other thing that needs to get across. They've been uh, been unreal. Oh, it's yeah. been hospitable for sure. Oh, I love I love the place. You know, you, and it's gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Like you can't imagine how beautiful um, this part of Ireland is. Ireland as a whole, but the people, you know, she's a glamour down here, Crosshaven. Very, very yeah. enjoyable uh, part of the world. So yeah, get on it. Well. Um- my good mate, Carlin Howard, he always takes the piss out of me for being part of a like a super young club with the Cruising Yacht Club of South Australia, which is 50 years old. Yeah. He's, yeah. of course, part of the Royal SA Yacht Squadron, 150. Yeah, yes. Well, <laughs> shove this one in your pipe, Howard. <laughs> uh, nothing makes me happier than making... 1720. Nothing makes me happier than making Carlin Howard squirm. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, should we bring in our guest? Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah. on. Okay. Well, so obviously, uh, you know, given the fact that I'm stuck in the middle of a boat park, uh, I, I almost did a live one by, so I almost invited everyone, but I thought this might be just a bit too much. And, you know, people should pay to listen into this, I reckon. Um, so I, I just uh, went through the boat park and uh, I, I, there's a few guys I really wanted to chat to and, and Stu, our guest tonight, is uh, a four-time Olympian in the 470 class. Um, he's done it with uh, Graham Beale and Dave Hughes um, So, and competed as recently as Tokyo. Um, so welcome to the show, Stuart McNay. Thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, I feel honoured to be here and to prep, listen to a couple of your podcasts <laughs> along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Want to know what I was in for. Hey, uh, tell me, Stu, um, four days, no wind. What's been uh, – how have you managed to get rid of Jordan's voice in your head <laughs> throughout that time? 
It's been one of the more exciting parts of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can say it now. I have to Jordan say, we haven't had a lot four. going on, so. <laughs> yeah. I can say it now, Jordan. I saw that picture, the, that picture the other day of everyone just sitting around like the park bench. And yeah. I could just visit, see you standing up on that park bench, like just You've got talking it. to your disciples. Yeah, you got telling it. Telling them how good. Well, you don't have to preach to the converted, right? Just yep. telling everyone about the 505, how good it is. Oh, that yeah. sort of spiel. Yeah. No, look, mate, it's uh, it's just uh, trying to make it fun, you know, when there's not much going on. So uh, it, it has been a challenge, I'll, I'll be honest. But uh, anyway, we are here. Uh, five O's, and I, I do want to say, obviously, um, um, the uh, the racing has been difficult. Like we've had to abandon a whole bunch of races, and we've had to do we've had to do a whole bunch of um, you know, like it's just it's just been a nightmare, you know. And I don't. There's, I'll be honest. There's some unhappy sailors, but um, you know, what can you do? What can you do? So, I, what I thought with the the whole process is that the chance to talk to Stu would be good because four Olympics is really cool. But then the other thing mm. is, you, Stu, you've partnered up with Caleb, Caleb Payne. So Caleb's a Finn sailor, so, uh, and he won the bronze uh, in the Finn in the past. Um, so And these guys are really, you know, they've brought, uh, they've brought with them Dave Hughes, who, who sailed with, Stu for the last couple of the Olympics and he's in the coaching role and they've yep. looked really good like it's been really impressive you know they've, you've never been deep at all uh, and you know how I'm always crapping on from a coaching perspective where you, you always you never want to get a bad race and so so you know Stuart uh, is really there if they're not the dominant boat they're the, one of the two dominant boats and have to be favourites currently for the regatta after one race <laughs> Well, thanks for saying that. That's a lot of pressure, you know. Um, it's, uh, I mean, uh, to be leading going into day five, I guess, or maybe day four. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny. It's not, I mean, it's not very so important mathematically here, but. You know. So, Stu, tell me, um, obviously, the lead up to this regatta has been significant. I mean, four Olympics, um, a whole host of other sailing to turn up to try and win the 505 Worlds and you've only competed completed one race. All that training, like a solid 16 to 20 years of training to turn up in Cork with no wind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Slightly disappointing. You know, it's uh, like they say. <laughs> That's yachting. Um, yeah. Hey, so tell me, Stu. The um, all jokes aside, um, had has this regatta been on your radar for quite some time, or due to the changes out the back of the last Olympics, um, were you just forced into a bit of a transition, and the five O was an obvious choice? A couple of my college friends um, have been talking about the five O five. For years, um, and then I, uh, the guy Thomas Barros, he coached Dave and I at the last Olympics in Tokyo, and he he's done a couple five hundred five worlds himself. He uh, we went to college together, and then another college made of mine. He's in the five hundred fives, and actually 
this fall, he gave me a call and said, hey, I've got a boat. My skipper's bailed on me. Do you think you could come? And I, we were able to pull it together at the last minute. I, I think it was the Pacific Coast Pacific Coast Championships out in Santa Cruz, where the world champs will be in 2023. And so that kind of got me thinking about how cool it will be to, to do the world championships in Santa Cruz. And, um, mm. you know, as I, you know, me and my Olympic teammate, Dave Hughes, you know, where I, we always, we always like to take on projects and, you know, it, it's, you know, and as we think about things, it's, uh, and I talk collectively like that because Dave and I are good buddies and we talk a bunch. We're not sailing together in the 505, but it's absolutely fantastic to have here as a coach. But so we're thinking, so, okay, how do you do well at the 2023 Worlds? Well, you should probably go to the 2022 Worlds. And um, Caleb Payne, who I'm sailing with here, I, we were on the Olympic team together in 2016. And also I was... I was teammates with Dave Hughes at the time. All three of us are really good buddies. And so it, it was just, um, I gave Caleb a call and a generous guy in Rhode Island, Mike Zani, he lent us one of his boats. He was down in Clearwater, Florida. Caleb and I got the knack of it pretty quickly. It's kind of like a 470 Ooh. on steroids. Um, and then plus all the fun technical stuff that you kind of wish you could do in a 470. You're thinking about all the time, yeah, sure. but it's <laughs> but it's not in the rules, so you can't go there. <laughs> um, so I we caught on quickly. We did well at the we won the midwinters, and then the week later at the at the North Americans, we lost to Mike Martin by a point, and that kind of left cool. us hungry. And so you know we we're we we're on the fence about the Cork Worlds, but Ian Pinnell was able to pull a boat together for us, coordinated with Nathan, Nathan Bachelor a bit, and and we were able to make it happen. Fantastic! That, I, we'll, I, we'll get into into the. Um, I've got to flesh it out for you, boss. Right, I, I have to flesh yeah. something out for you, but just just for the the listeners, um, and you know, I hope I don't offend uh, uh, Stu here. The uh, obviously. Um, Stu, Stu, like myself, rocks a little bit of chess here, which is cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's got a beard going, as you can see, boss. And um, Caleb, mate. Where, where's this going, listeners? Caleb, Caleb's rocking the moustache, and he's rocking the full uh, retro clothing attire. When they go up on stage, it's like looking at a 70s, uh, 70s modelling catalogue. It is very oh, quite impressive. <laughs> mate, this – and sorry, Stu, this is completely off subject, and the listeners don't quote – quite know about this but we were approached by a by a company to promote their product on the website and i got voted out not to do it but that particular product i'll I'll get to what the product was but that particular product would have been something that we could have given to all our guests as part of the merch pack and yes that's right everyone it was a shaver from a company called Manscaped. There you go, Manscaped. So uh, I'm glad. We knocked that one back. Actually, that could have fitted in quite well. Well, I guess we both would have been grateful for something, but I. <laughs> but we don't use them. <laughs> That's right. Oh, good. So, um, all right, before we get into, and I'm guessing, now, add a guess here, all-American collegiate, 
all that sort of stuff. All these kind of words that we don't quite understand in Australia. <laughs> all Americans, very important where we come from. <laughs> Correct. So tell us about that. So, well, how did you start out for, well, going right back to the, uh, whether it was Opti's or whatever it was, um, all the way through to where we are now? Oh, goodness. Um, well, that's quite a trail. I won't bore you with s- some of the details there. Um, but we, uh, my family had a house on the water and so boats on one sense were always, always part of our lives. And, and at, a at a multi-sport camp, sailing was one of the activities Ooh. and, uh, that was, that was my favorite one. And the counselors, counselors told my mom, Hey, you should think about a learn to race program for this guy and um just just down the street was the beverly yacht club and they had a cool way where where kids regardless of whether their parents were members could be a part of it and um i learned to race i did the opti and then a little bit of 420 but more laser radial and then kind of jumped into the collegiate sailing scene that's a really big part of sailing in the states um being from the Northeast, I didn't sail that many days each year prior to university. And then at at university, you know, I probably tripled my days, got yeah, a bit sure. better. And and the coach, uh, a good friend of mine, Zach Leonard, he he was really interested in helping me weave Olympic aspirations into collegiate sailing. And so during my school breaks and over the summer, I started sailing the 470 a bit. There was a small 470 group in the U.S. at the time, so that was a good, a good, a good platform to learn. And then while I was in college, I made the U.S. sailing team, and that kind of. And as I was graduating, I started filling out some applications for jobs, and but I was sailing too, and sailing was just too fun, so. That was the direction yeah. I turned, and it's uh, it's been a big blur. Here I am. <laughs> big blur. Have you have you have you always been good, Stu? Have you always been at the pointy end of the fleet, or um, it just clicked one day? You know, I, I'd say I'd say it's been a progression. I've always considered myself a worker. Um, had a couple standout performances as a kid, which kind of got attention and allowed me to leapfrog into the next stages of things. Um, but it's not like I won everything as a kid or anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I think, I think putting a lot, it's, it's a lifelong sport. And so if you're able, able to construct a good process, you can, you can continually build and it's, uh, it's the product after many years that's important. So I've, uh, you know, I think been able to do that. Here, here. It's it's um it's really noticeable from from my perspective, mate. Just the the work process, you know, like um because it's important for for the listeners. You uh, you won the Melders twenty four world champs, I think. That's correct, twenty sixteen. And I think that was with Dave. Yep. yep, with an Irish team as well. Oh, that's right. It was an Irish team. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're part of the whole thing, and then um, also a J80 World Champs. Uh, uh, do they have World Champs in J80? 
believe it or not, they the do. North American. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> there were a couple of European teams there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was on a tactician. I was a tactician on a boat with a good friend, and I, and we took the title when it was in Annapolis in 2014. Yeah, that whole northeast sailing, uh, sailing scene is interesting, isn't it? You know, obviously we're aware of it. You know, we we started referring to the Newport Martha Mafia um, with Rome. You know, we just started calling it yep. the Newport Mafia, and and then there's the whole Annapolis thing, and um, uh, so this kind of we from our perspective, we as Australians, you know, well, obviously we spend a lot of time in your country doing a bit of sailing because that's Australians are bums we just sort of jump on planes and appear in lots of places um but there is that sort of northeast um uh, west coast and then i guess there's the florida scene as well is is there anything else i'm missing or is that sort of how you spin around that's how i view it right now um the florida scene has gotten huge miami especially a little bit on the west coast and Clearwater, but those are the main areas of the country and you can i don't know though the West Coast guys are a little more laid back. The East Coast got <laughs> East Coast guys don't sail as many days each year, but but you've got to be pretty wound up when you do. <laughs> and then the Florida guys <laughs> that's kind of an amalgamation of people from all over who <laughs> um, getting getting around with your gold necklaces. Exactly. Down in Florida. You have to find a way to fit into the Miami fabric. And how about um, oh, hang on, boss, one, boss, boss, we've just forgotten be- the the Midwest. We've forgotten the Midwest. The oh. uh, we've got the freshwateries. Home I've of the Melges, the in fact. Freshwater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's actually that's a vibrant scene up in the Great Lakes. I uh, and it's you know it's really really fun sailing there. I uh, mm. raced an Scout Inland Championships there years ago oh, with yeah. a good friend, and um, raced a couple Melges regattas out there. The hospitality is wonderful you know a lot of people have these houses right on the lake shores where you where you um where they lift up their tender their motorboat kind of on a forklift at night so so it doesn't get algae on it (laughs) it's just a great scene over there really really fun the other one boss is that uh there's a young lad uh he's only 18 here um and he's joined in um to sail with Howie Hamlin's crew down in uh, Long Beach in California. And um, he's going gangbusters, right? So sailing with Howie, they share all information. He's got, he's like a young Sandy Higgins. He's got the tight, really, really tight blonde hair, uh, the same thing. And um, he's going, he's, I think he got third in that one race we've had and he was sixth in the pre-worlds. And I got him up on stage just to chat because he's here in Ireland. He he had his 18th birthday two days before the regatta um, and obviously being an American, 21, you can't yeah. drink, but 18 21, correct. in Ireland, yeah, no problems. And a bad place to start yeah. um, <laughs> in Crosshaven, bloody Ireland, and, so, and I got him up on stage and start talking to him and it was just hilarious, mate, because he just, he's the full American dude you know surfer bum language and he, i did this whole interview and i just looked at him and i said you're not californian are you mate he said yeah man i'm californian yeah californian <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, i think he's got potential on, hat, hat was on backwards <laughs> loving it 
<laughs> so he even um, wears a Grateful Dead the- shirt. Oh, you know, oh, tie dye, kind of old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, your Olympics, Stu. What was it? Beijing, London, Rio, Tokyo. Exactly. Yeah. Any uh, standouts, best and worst? Oh, um, oh well, um, you know, I, I, I love the Rio Olympics. You know, I was, it was our best performance, and so that's one I, you know, um, but it's just an amazing, amazing place to sail outside in the ocean. You have large swell inside in the bay Ooh. there's tons of current there's chop there are wind shifts i mean it's just you can understand why the brazilians are great sailors <laughs> a lot's thrown yeah. at you down there um and then just just on top of it the you know being able to hang out around rio going to the top of that sugarloaf mountain and you yeah. know copacabana beach is a great place to be and it's quite a place unless you get um all your wares stolen from you, um, but if, if you if you if you are street smart, it's quite a good place for sure. Um, how much time did you spend there actually pre regatta or up on Sugarloaf, uh, kind of getting an idea of what that how that bay works? Yeah, well, um, you know, over over each Olympics, it became clear that a team who could spend a lot of time at the venue would have an advantage at the regatta. And I'm, you know, as we all know about, we all know that about the sport of sailing and um, how much time, I mean, we spent, we spent about three months a year there in the, in the, in, in, in the three years prior to the Olympics. I, it was, I, it's a fairly easy trip from the U.S., basically a nine-hour overnight plane flight. And uh, I forget exactly how it is now, but at one time a year, it's a one-hour time change, and at another time of year, it's a three-hour time change. Um, so our daylight savings going opposite directions. Mm. Um, but it was great. And so I, we would stay over on the Niederoy side. Um, yeah just kind of the opposite side of the bay of rio but you just meet everyone in your boat out there and have some have some great training days with whoever's out in the water oh my uh, jordan this is for you my friend yes bud it would take some serious willpower if i'm spending three months of the year in rio <laughs> poor cow restaurant starters. <laughs> yes yeah uh, the um let's let's call it the the uh, the midnight hours that would be high on the agenda, <laughs> <laughs> and, and have been, buddy, and have been. Let us just oh, say, my oh my god, dear. that um, would yeah, that's some serious willpower. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great country and and great sailors, the Brazilians. So you know, like super talented sailors. What um, so all right, Stu, that's a a great example or a, a good a good experience you had. Is there anywhere that you went and it's like, oh, how on earth did the Olympics turn up in this spot? Oh. <laughs> well, I can't dog any Olympic venue like that. But um, I mean, <laughs> all my, you, you know, 
my first Olympics in China, um, the sailing in Qingdao. You know, I, Ooh, I, yeah. I, I remember on the first day, you know, our fin sailor, this guy, Zach Raley, um, you know, we're hanging out on the street and he says, I want to try some street meat here. He, he, <laughs> he goes up to the vendor and he, he, he gets the meat on a stick and you just, I mean, you, you have no idea what oh. it is, obviously, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's covered in spices and everything. He eats the thing and, and the next four days just. You know, it's it's coming out of it's coming out of everything it can, and so he's. <laughs> anyway, that was the last of the street meat, but <laughs> we were probably more daring than we should have been with drinking the water and eating all the local food and stuff. It was actually great being part of that country. You know, it, 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 as far as um, o- Olympic experiences go, we were probably, yeah. you know, most involved in the local scene at that Olympics. Um, as you probably would be in your first Olympics, because that's really when it's about, you know. Yeah, the other thing, of course, in China, uh, my friend, is that uh, you've got to, every time you hop into a taxi or a car in China, um, your whole life is just going to flash before <laughs> your eyes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely terrifying. I mean, <laughs> I I was in a taxi when the taxi driver ran into a pedestrian, got out of the car, yelled at the pedestrian for being in his way, and then drove away. <laughs> it was a different experience. I remember, boss, I think we were, I know you went in the, the taxi with me, and I got into the taxi, and I said, I just went off on the guy just at the start. I said, just do not kill me. I want to go home. And um, I just, I was in with two other people and I pulled my phone out and I thought, you know, I'll just record this for 30 seconds and see how many near-death experiences we get in 30 seconds. So three, three was the tally just for 30 seconds of filming. Well, did you, did you take note though when he was leaving the taxi rank yelling to all his mates, watch this fellas, I'm going to show this round-eyed <laughs> bastard how we do it over here. That probably was happening, Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, boss, I have to bring in um, – remember, do you remember back a while ago when they appointed the new head of the U.S. sailing team? You know, like we should actually dive into U.S. sailing and how yeah, the structure I've, works. I've got that written down here, specific yeah, question as a matter of fact. Well, remember we hypothesised that you would see all um, – all sailing, sailing team members. Moustaches. Moustaches. <laughs> yes. Well, if if we look here at Stu, obviously it's very easy to convert uh, his facial growth into a moustache from the beard and uh, yep. and your crew, young young Caleb. He is rocking the moustache. It's happening. It's happening. It's the thing. I mean, uh... <laughs> All right. well, so that's our segue. They, they've, they've basically got the curse, but I've got one more to throw in there, you young 18-year-old who's probably still waiting to grow some pubes, but he's running the uh, tight the tight curl, which uh, Mr. Yeah. Kayard runs. Yeah, yeah, well. he's got – and the round glasses. So, like, the 70s are invading <laughs> – the 70s are invading the US quite clearly. His name's Morgan Pickney, I think, by the way, just Morgan Pickney. Morgan, yep. Yep, that's right. Got that. Morgan the Organ is what we'll start calling him, you know, like those sort of 70s retro nicknames. So, um, but, yeah, it's uh, – it's, it's been fun. I, I do want to get into like how, you know, like we sort of glossed over a little bit just for, with you, mate. Like, you know, you come in that sort of Massachusetts region, um, you just sort of went 
I'm sailing collegiate stuff and then I'm sailing Olympic stuff. Like, how do you fund it? Like, with from an American, like, how how does it all happen? Like, how are you able to afford to live? Because you've got a family, you know, you've you've created a life as a professional sailor, effectively. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, uh, it's not straightforward in the U.S. And you know, um, you know, you know, quite frankly, in order for kids to get good coaching through through junior sailing, that you know, largely has to come from their parents. And so um, it's, uh, it's something which, which, you know, the sailing community as a whole in the U.S. is struggling with. Um, but I, I, think, I think accessibility is improving. Um, really, the, uh, a, a, the, the backbone of each individual Olympic campaign is a group of supporters who are able to donate to a tax-deductible foundation. There have been a number of them over the years. Um, You know, U.S. Sailing used to have one. New York There's a New York Sailing Foundation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so you you try to build up a war chest, and uh, there are a number of grants available. Back when, back when Graham and I were sailing the Hisa Foundation out in out in California, was very generous, um, and uh, and so and then once you once you climb the international ranking, you get some help with the with the U.S. Olympic Committee, and that's you know yep. that as uh, as a single donor that can that can definitely be your your largest one if they decide to support you. I, uh, although, you know, every, you know, pretty much everyone ends their Olympic campaign in debt, you know, which means they had to self fund it one way or another at one stage or another. Cause, uh, you know, met, you're a competitor, you want to win, you want to do what it takes and, and you end up digging into your pockets a bit to make that happen. Was there a big, um, culture, I'm kind of picturing a bit of Shark Tank here. You step up in front of the U.S. Olympic Committee and you're either the best salesperson in more ways than one. You can either be the best salesperson commercially or the best salesperson on the water. So were there some individuals that were just cracking at getting in front of the committee and <laughs> getting funding or you just had to get the, get the results? Oh, no, no, no. There, there's, there, there, there. There are absolutely some who I, uh, who can draw the, the interest and the feeling of untapped potential by the Olympic Committee, and I, you know, there there's <laughs> there's always a feeling of inequality, you know, you know, <laughs> no one feels sounds like a bit they like, get it, what they deserve. sounds a bit like our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you have to. <laughs> You have, you know, you have to demonstrate that need, make them, you know, you have to show them you want it and then pique their interest. So, yeah, recognize who's on the committee, dress in the exact right manner. Um, If they're from the Northeast, you've got a foot in the door. If they're from California, we're going to have to (laughs) slip the vans on, put the hat backwards and uh, 
ask for some moolah, man. So, boss, just just for your heads up, mate. I don't know. Have you um, jumped onto the US uh, Olympic sailing uh, website lately just to see what? No, not some no, of the athletes. No. Um, there's some entrepreneurial stuff going on there. So if you do jump on there um, for me this week, where I jumped on, because you know me, I do my research. Um, they're selling pet products. So US Sailing is selling pet products. So if you want, that's I think that's I, I'm assuming there's a backer, and they're selling pet pet products. How uh, and that's how they're going to fund uh, 2024 is what I'm assuming. Yeah, and um, a couple of years ago, I think there are some. Uh, there are some woven bracelets, you know, you could, uh, if, if you sold enough, you could get a percentage. Oh, yeah, I'd say there is actually quite a number of supporters there. Yeah, well, just just for for your benefits, Stu, the, uh, the president of the 505 class uh, who is here, he, he runs a whole chain of um, pet hospitals. So, you know, like if, you, if they are trying to sell pet products and you get a commission, just go and see, go and see Quirky. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so, hey, uh, Stu, speaking US sailing team, the current direction it's going in, is this something that you agree with? Is it, uh, do you think it's going the right way? You said things are starting to open up a little bit. Do you see some success coming? Yeah, I mean, if if you look at the success for the US at the youth levels, like at the Youth World Championships, that's been... yeah. That's been awesome, and I. So there's, there've been, you know, and, and it's all, you know, it's all, 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 all tied in where there have been some very, very successful regional teams in the U.S. with really, really high level coaching. There's, there's a guy Steve Keen who's, you know, he produces one four twenty world champion after another. Um, you know, clearly, you know the, the the depth of talent in, in the U S hasn't been what's holding the country back, but you know, a way of, of retaining talent and, uh, you, you, you know, probably through, you know, really the, the, um, showing the true possibility of getting a medal. Um, if, if you are a part of the program, um, that's, you know, that's what every, every competitor wants and that's what motivates people. Um, so as as far as 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 the direct, I mean, if we hear that there's money coming in the door, and that's always a really good thing, and there's there's great talent coming coming up the pipeline, that's a good thing, and uh, you know, I I think they're they're trying to put the coaches in place who can who can mm. hold on to the talent and coach them into the into the success that you know that that their talent can allow them. It's uh, there are a lot of a lot of institutional challenges in the states, and you know, U.S. sailing has you know been up and down over the years. But um, you know, often I think the best approach is is to build on what you have rather rather than scrap everything and try to reinvent. And I, uh, you know, I yeah, I hope and think that's what's happening. So that opens up a question, obviously, um, just specifically around you, mate, is that obviously with the change at the Olympics, we've gone to a mixed crew in the 470. So did you, you know, you've done four Olympics, you've done, you've done a lot, and you probably don't 
you may not think you know you've got a family you might do other, want to do other things you you got now you're sailing five oats why the hell would you want to do a 470 maybe that thought process but did you actually think about um you know what let's pair up and uh, i guess the other thing for the listeners just to explain like sure you're not the largest dude what you're about five seven five eight something like that yeah and about i don't know what your weight would be 65 something like that yeah yeah, so so you could have part, partnered up with a female on the wire. Did you think that process through? Um, yeah, I mean, I love sailing. I love the Olympics. Um, you know, with with all that love, there's some mixed feelings in there, though. You know, you just, <laughs> relationships are complicated, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I. But yeah, I, you know, I I it's uh, it really really pushed my family to the limits and I, they were huge supporters of me and and had my back the whole way but it was you know it's I it's it's important to do things to, a little differently going forward here it's time to cash in is what I interpreted that to bossy it's time to go pro sailing and cash in move move into the entertainment business find some nice owners and uh Start sending it. You'd fit not quite nicely at down the uh, in the tactician's role on any boat. I'd reckon, <laughs> being a former four seventy, one of the hardest classes. Well, you said it. You know, it's I, uh, um, I, you know, I've I've been doing a bunch of pro sailing over the years. You know, I do tactics, as you say, uh, a bit of trimming as well, and it's uh, and 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 actually, I've I've. I've I've been doing a bunch of coaching also. So this uh, mm. this spring, um, I was one of the or I was an assistant coach for the Brown University sailing team, and that's that's their sailing center is about ten minutes from my house, and you know I can drop my kids off to school, do practice with the Brown kids, have dinner with my kids. It's like it's been a welcome Good. change to be honest, and. Um, but that being said, you know, I love the glamour of the big boats, and I, that's a fun scene to be a part of, you know. And Absolutely. Well, given I don't know what the forecast is for the next few days, but I'm, I'm pretty certain you two have probably swapped notes anyway on different coaching strategies. Um, oh, yeah. Jordan's probably one of the world best-known coaches in Australia, as a matter of fact, <laughs> as he tells us. Um <laughs> Or sometimes we refer to him as Supercoach. <laughs> That's a great title. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I just brushed off a lot of what he was saying, but 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 maybe now with I mean, <laughs> with your endorsement, this is. <laughs> I mean, it must be um, that coaching role. Having been on the water, had your coaches. It must be actually now quite satisfying seeing what can be developed with a bunch of youth and seeing them progress and hopefully one day get to where you got to. Yeah, that part is really cool. You know, they're, you know, kind of, I talked about that potential thing earlier and that is really, you know, that's exciting. You know, you're, you're working with the kid, the kid's exciting. The, the, the kid is excited about the process. You don't know where it'll end up. They don't know where it'll end up, but you all have lofty goals. And, mm. and, you know, that's a rewarding process. 
yeah. One of the things that's interesting, boss. This is um, this is sort of been a discussion for many years in the five O space, and I think Stu will be able to sort of uh, speak to this from the American perspective. The one thing the Yanks do really well is they they share information. You know, like um, yep. you know they have in the in the West Coast they have what's called Team Tuesday. Um, it helped yep. Howie with the eighteens, with the fourteens, and the five O's, and all those guys. You know, the the US team is really, really, really strong here at the five O's, and that that whole ability to share information. And one of the things that those guys say to me, the US guys, is you ju- you guys are just too selfish. You don't share information. That's what costs the Australians. Oh, um, mate. We we live way too close to New Zealand. It's a, just a staunch off. It's a staunch off in the boat park, right? Right. right. Aussies are probably worst at it in history. Yep. Yeah, and it's costing us, you know, like that. Because I've always sort of when, one of the arguments I have is, you, if you want to be a good sailor, go sailing. Two, if you want to be a great sailor, share you sail with share other people, share info, and then you get to the world champs, and you're just still racing with those same people you've shared the info with. You, you know, your world championship fleet that you're competing against is only a couple of boats. Uh, and so, and the Americans really rail into us on that. Like, I, I, I was just interested, Stu, if you have any view on that, like whether you perceive Americans as good sharing teams or in the 470s it wasn't like that. Well, um, in you know, there's uh, the... Within the Olympic group in the U.S., there are limited resources, and so there's, you know, there's competition amongst that group to get those resources. Um, you know, that was, you know, especially the case in the last 15 years. Um, but I, I, I think it's starting to change a little bit. Um, you know, it's a it's, um, little bit of a team culture thing, but basically just the mechanics being if, if the team offers you enough to be a part of the team, as in, you know, they provide great structure, great coaching, great support, then to be a part of the team, you share the information. If the team isn't giving you much, then you don't feel like you want to give mm. them much in return. Um, or, or just that there is, you know, much to be gained by, by creating that. And, uh, you know, go, going from, and then you know of of you know and, and and so then you even end up having having international training partners then such you know because you know you can't go to the Olympics if you don't win your trials you know and um, but that being said you know it's all about the medals and it's not just about attending the event and so you know having having a really good training relationship with another American team like this last quad we worked really closely with the women's team and the four seventy and. And that was really beneficial for them and us. Um, but transitioning into the 505 fleet where within the U.S., just the, you know, people readily share because of what what you two are talking about. You know, if you, you know, you get better by sharing your ideas with others, even if you think they're great ideas, chances are, they can be made better, or they're not as good as you think they are. <laughs> so I guess we, we've got the days. ultimate real-time example right now, yeah? So you've jumped in the 5-0, did you, and the sharing culture in the US, specifically in the 5-0, is strong. Did you instantly feel feel that? Yes. When you, first time you were rigging up down down the beach? It came. Like everyone was coming up, and how he's like, oh, no, no, move the jib car in there, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. And it, 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 
it came in two forms. One was just a welcome in a social sense of awesome to have another guy here who loves sailing and wants to be a part of our Mm. group. And then in the sense of, you know, any question I ask there, they'll share what they honestly think. And, and, and then they ask me and I share what I honestly think. And it's just really, it's a wonderfully refreshing culture to be a part of. And, uh, you know, everyone at this regatta is here because they love sailing and they want to be sailing. That's the fact. I've got, I was going to save this question right to the end. I think this will lead into basically where we are now and where you two guys are. How good is the 505? We've heard Jordan crap on about it for years and years and years now. How good is it really? You know, it's, <laughs> it's almost as good as they say. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. I like you it. Know, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing that this boat, which what, which was designed. I, I don't know. I, I know the, I know the 470 was 1963, 1964. I don't know. Do you know when the four seven, when the five Oh was built? I think it's like 52 or something. It's just, it's 60 years. It, it's it's incredible that that hull shape and hull design has has you know been able to survive the survive the test of time. It's basically a skiff hull shape, and it's incredible. And mm. and then with the with the relatively open development of the class, it's been able to stay with the times in every way. And you get a lot of the excitement that you can find in the you know in the more fragile modern planning dinghies. So, you know, you can really you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard to look at the caliber of the fleet, not only in Cork now, but over over the years. Pretty much every good yachty has been in a 5.0 at some point in time. So, okay, that's more a statement than a question. But where we are now, your current leaders five days in, how's the... What's the format for the next couple of days? How's the weather looking? I'm having a look at a bit of uh, bit of weather at the moment. It's not looking that flash. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely, ab- absolutely not that flash. But uh, we don't need much to make us happy at this stage. So um, <laughs> we we need a wind that that can that can stay over five knots for a one hour time period. And I uh, I think um, it looks like we're probably going to have that maybe a light nor'easter or, or something, which is a bit of a side offshore. Um, I don't know what, what, what you're seeing. It's light enough that it could, it could change into anything. So but what, what, what's, what is the PRO doing, Jordan? Is he taking you offshore? There's more breeze offshore or there's something localized uh, inside, the, inside the bay? So it's, it's been intense, boss. I've got to say, just before... Um, so there's this sort of strange, like there's this ridge just planted over Ireland. I think it's going to move out the way tomorrow. But offshore has been glassy, like glassy for mm. days, like not even a puff. There's this strange anomaly like the where you enter into the harbour here and the harbour here at Cork is supposedly the second largest natural harbour in the world behind Sydney and it's pretty cool. Um, but so the entry, if you imagine like the heads like um, – in Sydney Harbour, but 
there's a sort of running, there's wind that comes channeling down. So there's nothing out to sea and there's 12, 14 knots right there. But there's all sorts of tidal influences, so they won't let us go there. And then, so there's this other inshore course, which for the first few days of no wind, it, it got up to about 8 to 12 knots out there. And then we just, but the 5 insist of being a long way from land. And, and so we couldn't do it. And then we just, then it started to realise that, shit, we're not going to get any sailing. And so we went there, but unfortunately it was dropping out. So we had 8 knots down to 3 knots up and down. At the moment, the issue, so next two days look like there's going to be this sort of nor'easter come down which is parallel to the coastline and we should get some breeze out there but you know the that's a gradient the sea breeze could actually oppose it slightly so it could not work we could end up with no races but i think the format for the next two days will get get out there offshore and three races a day is what i think is going to happen i don't think there'll be anything beyond that you know like uh, <coughs> two lap windward lords three races a day uh, one mile beats um, that's like the he'll be pumping them out, just pumping them out. So yeah. it'd be great. No, no choice. Yeah, right. no choice. Yeah, it'll be rapid fire out there. Everyone will have to be on their toes. Good, good. And um, is that your strength? Is is the light air your strength, Stu? Or um, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, we're pretty well rounded. I mean, I've never sailed the boat in over eighteen knots, so. You know, can't really speak to that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, the, but, but, but that being said, you know, Caleb's a big guy, so we're, you know, we're, we're one of the bigger teams, you know. It's interesting, you know, like they've, they've been really right there the whole time uh, in the light winds, but, you know, you've got a few boats that just absolutely shine in really strong stuff, you know, mm. like the San Francisco crew. And, um, you know, if he hasn't sailed him in over 18 knots, well, I suspect you probably will discover the joys of watching Howie and Mike disappear over the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I look forward to it. <laughs> look forward to the hey, big stuff when it comes. Look forward to wind, actually, is probably the thing. But, yeah. um, oh, geez, it must be. Not only competitors, but the whole organisation mm. just praying for something, absolutely yeah. praying for it. Well, I got a yeah. So let's. I, I want to focus in on a couple of things, you know, because I always I'm interested in the pathway to sailing vice, as you know, and um, you know, you got into sailing by the circumstance you've already described. If you hadn't gone sailing, what other sport would you have been in, in another sport, or would you have done something else? I've always been a really active guy. Um, I played a ton of soccer when I was a kid. And I, you know, basically as I started to sail, um, I got slower in soccer. <laughs> my foot speed was worse. <laughs> and my hand was kind of forced at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I wrestled in high school. And, you know, I, I, I love playing sports. So... Sail GP suddenly has opened up for you, mate, because um, basically what happens uh, behind the scenes in Sail GP is it's just a non-stop football or rugby or soccer fest. Uh, as soon as everyone's not looking, all the balls come out and it's like the Kiwis lead the way. The Kiwis pull everything out, but the Poms have been pulling the soccer balls out and the Kiwis bringing the rugby balls out. So, so you know, maybe you should just 
keep emphasising that you're pretty good at that stuff because that might drag you into the US team. Drag into the team, you reckon? <laughs> they need another good player, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the things oh, okay. you, I, I know you were into the the basketball, mate. Um, I think on your bio in the under US the US sailing bio it says you like basketball. Is is that true, or is it just you're a fan? <laughs> um, I used to play it for fun, you know. Um, you probably shouldn't be on the bio as I read it now. <laughs> well, we- so, sounds a, sounds a bit like with Young Australia. Um, on my bio, I was in the state frisbee team. <laughs> <laughs> List all the sports you're into. Oh, yeah, a bit of AFL, state frisbee uh, team. It's, all, 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 all South Australian. One of, one of the things, Stu, that we do, and Bossy and I have done it to each other a lot, is when we're doing uh, commentary or we go on the TV or something, and, and we do it with everyone else, is we we give phrases and words to each other that we have to get on there. Um, have you ever done anything like that when you're interviewing? Like, do you challenge yourselves? Do you guys, like, sort of play a little game behind the scenes? I haven't, but that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we just, like... With the whole whole way, like it would have been eight years of Volvo's, just all these different uh, different words that we had to get across, which uh, which was yeah. part of the fun. What about your family, mate? Are the the kids going to come in to the world of sailing, or do you think there's other interests, or your wife has had enough? <laughs> A little bit of everything you've mentioned there. <laughs> um, you know, I see Luke Ingalls and John Ingalls here sailing, and that just you know that looks like a dream come true to sail with one of your kids. Um, <laughs> it's an expensive sport. I hope they don't push too hard in that way. <laughs> but my daughter's been horseback riding a little, so <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the only bit better than equestrian, but it sounds as though you've got that covered. <laughs> right, exactly. Horses eat, you know. So exactly. <laughs> um, oh, I completely forgot. I was just going to hit. It was going to be the best question that was asked for the whole interview. And I just lost it. Um, so apologies for that. Um, yeah. So from uh, the perspective for you now, mate, what's the future? What uh, what will drive your income for the future? So are you going to go into a real job or are you going to be pro-sailor and what's the plans? You know, this year I've been doing pro-sailing and coaching um, and, of course, the fun 505 stuff. I, what's the future? I don't exactly know, but I love boats, so... I would find it hard to imagine straying from this way of life, you know, and having spent this many of years committed to an activity, it would be, it'd be hard to change. I, uh, but you know, that's, that's not a great reason to not do something just cause it's hard. Um, you know, I, I, I just, the, the, the competition of the sailing world, that's, you know, it's every race. It, it helps me get up in the morning. Um, I like being on the water. I like feeling how goats, how boats go through the water. I, uh, you know, and and you know, of of course, you, I'm at a stage now, almost a year after the Olympics, and you know, I am, I am asking those questions, and you know, you know, maybe there is something which works works a little better for me and my family life, um, but at this stage, I'm coaching and pro sailing, and it's great, loving it. Driving towards Santa Cruz, obviously. Exactly, Santa Cruz. 
You know, um, the the one question I... I uh, oh, oh, sorry. Go on, go on. How about I put this one to you, Stu? Not only driving towards Santa Cruz 2023, how about the... Uh, the recently announced world titles at Adelaide Sailing Club, at well Henley Henley Beach and, and at combined Adelaide Sailing Club 2025. Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong. Five oh five world titles. Well, that that would be lovely. You know, I'm I'm always a fan of sailing in Australia. I raced the ISAF combined worlds in Perth, and then there was a. There's a 470 Worlds in 2008 down in Melbourne. I, yeah, that's awesome. Well, Jordan will probably tell you. I mean, Adelaide Sailing Club's one of the best off the beach places to sail mm. along the coast here. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to make for a fantastic yep. um, regatta. I will warn you though. Yep. Possibly over 18 knots. Ah, oh, I also heard there's some sharks. <laughs> yeah, guarantee <laughs> half only. The- only- Guaranteed. Only at the wing mark, yeah. so I only do windward lords. <laughs> well, I hope the sharks know where to hang out. <laughs> the the other thing, of course, um, you know, with a five o, this is this is something that or anyone that's thinking about coming. Henley Henley is a unique club. Uh, so with a five o, you know, fixed rudder, so you sail off the beach because off the beach sailing is glamour sailing. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world to sail. You'll love it. But uh, launching off Henley. It's the only place in Adelaide that really gets a wave and you're coming in at the end of a day when there's a wave on with, and you've got to pull your rudder off. Um, it can be expensive on masts. No. Thought about it already, We'll work Jordan. on our rudderless sailing. <laughs> uh, thought about it already. Yeah. And um, I'm working on getting a bigger breakwater put in at the Adelaide Sailing Club for that exact reason. Fair enough. You 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 are so in touch, mate. You can get the whole government to just do what you want. That's impressive. Oh, boss. don't worry. I'm a bit of a mover and shaker <laughs> down here. Yeah. But I, I will say, I will say, Stu. I, I I mean, in the in my five hour days sailing off Henley, we have caught like a good three or four foot wave in with no rudder, just riding it and balancing the boat. You need to develop the sailing without your rudder skills. That's impressive. Sound like a legend. <laughs> he, he got me. He yeah. got me. Oh, yeah. Jesus. You've got him, Stu. You've read straight through him. If you haven't heard of, heard of it, you've just convinced yourself. Just nailed it. Nailed it. And well deserved. I think I felt I deserved that. So I'll, I'll take that. Um, um, the one question I do want to finish off on, mate, because we're just about done time, is that uh, if you're you're talking to a youngster listening, like there's a, a ton of them listen, what do you think was the greatest thing for you to advance your sailing? Like what what was the learning that really advanced your sailing? Um, that's a, that's a great question. It could probably go a lot of directions with that. Um. I'd say, you know, I, I'd say learning, learning how to, how to sail the boat without any other boats around, you know, um, when I was a kid and I would sail by myself, it was really hard to be focused because I didn't know what to focus on, Mm. you know, it's, uh, kind of as you, you know, as you get better, you get better at practicing and then, you know, and and then kind of you know, ultimately there was a time, you know, um, you know, I, I remember early in the 470, I, you know, I was only, 
comfortable being in a part of the course where there were other boats around because you know i could know you know am i pointing enough am i footing like like what's happening here but then you know it's like a musician developing absolute pitch you know being mm. able to know the pitch without uh without hearing it first um and so anyway it's i i i think i i think that's a really cool cool skill to work on how to bring a boat to its potential in the absence of other boats. That's a fantastic point. And it took me straight back to sailing Malaysia by myself. You're beating your head against a bloody brick wall to start with, not to mention going out there by yourself thinking, what can I do to go better? Yeah. That's a yeah, really good point. Stu. And you know, if you can sail with a teammate, you absolutely should. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Mate, um, ton of fun. I reckon when you nailed it, but you'd be uh, – and then, of course, he's taken time from his preparation for the regatta tomorrow. You know, the two he's got six races ahead of him, I would suggest. So I appreciate you taking the time. It's been, been a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. It's an honour to be here yep. with you guys. Thank, thanks, Stu. Really appreciate it, mate. Best of luck for the uh, remainder – of the regatta and hope to see you on top of the uh, top of the step. Now, just one last point, and Jordan probably pointed it out, um, and it, he probably didn't announce it to the rest of the guys around. But you now have the Barkerati curse, so it's a fair chance you'll win this regatta. Ah, well, I'll take that curse. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We pretty- are a superstitious mob. It is. So take it. It's pretty much a guarantee. Most people come on our show and win from that point on. Yeah. Between that and wearing the same underwear all week, I think we're good. (laughs) Awesome, man. All right. No worries. Thanks, Jake. Okay. Mate, um, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, like uh, I hadn't met Stu before this regatta, and he's been him and, and Caleb. You know, they've been. I'm, I'm, I've met Caleb before. I know Caleb, um, but I hadn't met Stu, and it's just super fun guys. And Dave, uh, their coach, so uh, mm. Dave Hughes, uh, and, and for all the Aussies out there, when they hear the name Dave Hughes, very famous comedian in Australia is Dave Hughes. You know, like he just um, um, Hughesy, Hughesy, big. Big round guy, and uh, Dave Hughes is is not. He's the Will Ryan build, like about. He's probably six two and seventy kilos. <laughs> yeah, that typical four seventy crew build. Um, but he's very considered in his approach. Uh, you know, they sailing really well. They don't make mistakes. You know, like they're really smart tactically. Um, it's it's good mm. to watch. You know, like from a. If you're thinking about it from a strategic and uh, tactical perspective, it, it's nice to watch them. Like, I don't get to watch too much. I'm rushing. I'm a little bit busy with everything I'm doing, but um, when I, I sort of look up, I can see them, and they're, they're sailing nicely. And, they're you know, they haven't been in the class that long, and they're going well, really well. Well, that's, that's the impressive thing, right? They've jumped in. Mm. And it's clear that whole sharing of information thing, mm. it instantly brings you up to a level yeah of course there's a whole lot of natural talent which is required and yeah and operational and all the other shit that goes along with it but it 
kind of gets you a good foot in the door, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the whole process of being in the Olympics, you know. It's, it's a different level, but, uh, I mean, they're the yeah. only boat out there with a coach boat, really, to give you some yeah. idea. And um, But, I mean, nothing nothing's established yet, you know. Like, it's still anything could happen. This has just been a crazy world. But, anyway, um, that's everyone goes through them. So, yeah. We'll see yep. how they play out, but they're part of the game. Barcarati Curse is going to probably guarantee them a win. <laughs> All right. Um, Jeez, you wait till that turns on us, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, well, you wait till the oh, curse no. goes the opposite oh, direction no. at some point. Uh, uh, the longer <laughs> no one will never get a guest again. Yeah. Well, at the moment, we can get them easy. I was all I'll say. <laughs> they all want to come on. Oh, Rick Adder coming up. Let's get on Barcarati. Um Okay, uh, what's coming up? Uh, oh, look, listener of the week. No club Jack events. Listener of the week. Club events. Oh, club event. Yeah, club yeah, events. Sorry. Club events. Club events. Uh, there's a little known boat. I thought we should publicise boss. Um, it's it's sort of. I don't know if many people would have heard it. It's a thing called a star. Have you heard of the star? star. Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Like, <laughs> bloody hell, we're crapping on about all these old boats all yeah. the time. <laughs> well, it's all resurgence, mate. Everything's coming back, yeah. as I said. Retro. Yeah. Mate, I'm I'm one step ahead here. Okay. Have you seen a 1950 Land Rover? <laughs> 1979 <laughs> Caribbean Crusader 235. <laughs> mate, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, the- I'm gonna. I'll be working on the dirty mo by the time we're yeah. record next week, yeah. and that will go. We should actually just have a retro edition. Um, oh, like it for the like show. What? But yeah, sorry. Back back to the star. Speaking of retro, plenty yeah, yeah. of mo's will be kicking around in that fleet. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a month out from their world champs. Um, they're doing world champs in September, um, and it it's going to be the hundredth star world champs. 100th- yeah. Wow. So uh, I thought that it'd probably be worth that we give them a bit of a plug. It's going to be in Marblehead. So it's uh, the, I think the original ones were in Long Island in New York. So not too far away. So they sort of tried to recreate that whole thing. And so they're definitely going to do a big celebration around it. Uh, as far as I understand, 90 entries so far. Obviously, we've got the press release. Uh, 14 nations, 15 world champions, in, past world champions in the fleet. Um, we all know the star class is one of the premier classes. All the greats have sailed her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah. pretty impressive. So um, we're interested. We're excited for all the sailors. And, uh, yeah, yeah, ton of fun. Um, so, yeah, we thought that we'd just give that uh, a nice little plug yeah, as yeah. Our, our club event uh, of the week. Spe- speaking of plugs, and I did give it a little bit of a plug during – talking to Stu, but, um, yeah, they recently announced 505 world titles mm. in, as we spoke about, Henley and Adelaide, mm. leading straight out of the the laser worlds the year before. Yeah. So busy time along the coast in Adelaide. Yeah, and, and we joke about all the sharks and that stuff, but what, what Adelaide, you know, we, Barkerati came together through Adelaide. We're all an Adelaide connection, so we've all sailed on those waters a huge amount of time. It is one of the great places to sail in the world. You're sailing straight off a beach. It's it, it's it's up a gulf with an island at the bottom, so you don't often get waves onto the beach. So you're pretty much sailing um, in solid sea breezes, a bit like Western Australia, not as strong. Um, it's a little more tactical, but, yeah, it's, like, it's just glamour sailing. It's yeah. warm. Good sailing. Um, 
you know, the shark thing's all fun. There, there are sharks there, but, you know, no one's ever worried about them. I've never worried about no, them. No. You just smack them in the head yeah. as you go past them. Um, That's right, Lid. Yeah. You know, we've all survived. <laughs> A few of us are missing we bits. We have. No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, no, that, that's a good get. So uh, get your get your boat there. I've, hopefully, all the logistics and shipping sh- stuff can be worked out by then. <laughs> um, Jack Lloyd, listener of the week. Uh, actually, boss, I've got to say, um, the loss of Jack Lloyd was a big thing for us, as we remember. It was a surprise Ooh. for all of us, and it impacted on us a lot. Um, one of my best mates, dads, died just a couple of days ago. So uh, John Messenger and the whole Messenger clan, Adelaide, iconic Adelaide family, non-sailors, but, uh, you know, as da- Jack, his dad was like a second father to me. So it's been a hard week. Um, but, uh, yeah, thinking about that family. So I just thought, you know, while we're talking about Jack Lloyd, who was a great man. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've got something intro- interesting coming up. Um from down under sail. Correct. From the ground up, as mentioned mm. uh, last week, the documentary mm. that it's been put together by one, the fourth leg yeah. of Barkerati, no uh, Harry that. Fisher. Yep. Um, it's been, it's currently at time of recording doing the rounds around the clubs. Well, some of the, uh, the main Sharpie clubs around yep. Australia. Yep. And we, uh, going to spend some time, you and me, Jordan, with some popcorn, watching this yeah, yeah. Um, doco together and going to give it a review. We're going to create a new segment, Bar Karate Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be movie critics. I love it. I love it. So yeah. it will be going live to the internet on uh, the 19th, so Friday the 19th. So it um, when we do the review, it'll probably be out there. But we just wanted to um, – we've got it. We, we've got a special pre-release. But we thought we'd just time it a little bit closer so that people can just listen to our review and go straight to and watch it. It's the logic behind yep. that. So we didn't want – And we'll post all the links and everything yeah, yeah. for that. So, But it's yep. love. I mean, it's great that um, Harry and his team, the whole team at Down Under Sale have – put a documentary together about a really cool class. The interesting thing I've learned, be, uh, boss, is um, there's just that not that many dinghy and small boat classes that are three-person, and we mm. all know, you know, like they've got the National 18 here, right? It's been a massive yeah. talking point. They're super cool-looking boats. Um, we all know that that third person in the dynamic adds, brings a whole nother level. Uh, as uh, Barker 80's got three hosts, well, we used to until we lost our mate. <laughs> He'll be back, I think, <laughs> next week is what we're hoping. Um, yes, but that uh, – so the Sharpies, if you've never seen one, super cool boat, super uh, – we've all sailed them. Uh, I think all three of us have sailed them, know them well, yep. and uh, we've all suffered the uh, the boat races and all that whole thing. Yeah, we've had some unique experiences as part of the Sharpies, all I'll say. Here, here. Mm. So we look forward to that review. Mm. Ole, 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 ole. Hot, hot, hot. It's hot time with bites. Speaking of Harry Fisher. <sighs> Harry Fisher. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Mate, this week it's a bit of a round the grounds. Okay. Um, there's a lot going on. Right, Almost right. too much to really comprehend so when you actually have a life 
out of outside of a doing a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot going on. Yep. Um, namely, number one, we see a bunch of Aussies dressed up in the. It's not the canary yellow this time, my friends. It is Australian gold. Their oh. boat is livery livered in gold. And it is the Australian team which will be taking part in the Star Sailors League mm. um, in the RC forty fours. Something we uh, we alluded to. Oh, I can't remember. Was it when we had yeah. Sam on? Um, I think exactly. Um, but they have put a team together to take it to the rest of the world in the uh, led by uh, Tom Slingsby, I believe. Well, They've had J- JB there. JB, I think, the, is technically uh, the leader. Helmsman. I think yep. he's technically the leader in the whole show, JB. Um, uh, so they go they go through a whole bunch of rounds and then they're, they're getting busy, mate. Like, like everyone's on board. Like, you name it, everyone's getting on board that whole league. And they're also creating a whole database of sailors. There's somebody... Somebody's quite smart with this whole program. It's there's a lot and, going uh, on. I mean, league sailing in general is a fantastic concept, yeah, right? Yeah. You turn up, the boats there. You don't have to worry about all that logistics and the operations of dealing with any of that. Yeah. Um, and we see it across, you know, all the way down to state sailing league here in Oz, mm. all the way up to well, this is probably one of the premium league events in the mm. around the world. So to visualise it for the listener, so they understand. It's like uh, the football World Cup or the Rugby World Cup in sailing. So you sort of you you fight off in your regions and you end up going through to the final, and then you know they get their top nations and they all race off against each other, and that's basically the whole gist of it. So all these teams assemble, you put you put together, and then um, we're going to find the winner of the Star Sailors League Gold Cup, um, and then you know in theory. Um, they're they're going to be the Kilbert World Champions. Uh, the, you know, it's, they're trying to create a World Cup sort of feel, which is cool. Yeah, um, that's good. And um, I'm guessing the boatyard at this particular uh, event would have a lot of gold vinyl <laughs> <laughs> to clean the boats up. Yeah. All right, something else which is going on. Yep. yep. Um, is the Blokart Worlds oh. taking place in New Zealand in October? Oh, we love this. Why we aren't love we it. there? Is it in October? What? Um, it is October the seventeenth. Practice oh. uh, starts from. Oh. Um, so have you being, saw one? Have you saw one? Yeah, I actually saw one early two thousands, and yeah. throughout my research on this, they only ever came to into the foray since ninety nine. As a matter of fact, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, they they they're awesome. These things, like I've saw one once, so it's as much as I know. But yeah, it's going to be unreal. It's going to be unreal. Let's. Yep. It's going to be a ton of fun. So. We'll keep be keeping an eye on that, which then leads me into my next point is the, the world's biggest blowcart, or not the world's biggest, but the uh, Team New Zealand Land Speed record. They have their, what do we call it, a boat, their vessel, um, has arrived in Adelaide. Um, just probably got to wait another six months for the lake to dry out. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I must admit I haven't seen it being towed down the road just yet. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm keeping my eye out because okay. literally it landed only probably three, five minutes from my joint. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, look, it's exciting. Um, 
but yeah, the I mean the lake's not dry, so <laughs> it'll yeah. be a while. Uh, but we, we love but, it. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. And mm. uh, the minute that happens, I'm sure there's a few of us who'll be heading out to Lake Gardner to to check it out. Yeah, so yeah. very cool. It's gonna be good. Um, what um, else? What else? I've got a question for you, Jordan. Yes. So Mrs. Kant, Kate Middleton, Sale GP. Mm. I know you're quite the royalist. You're probably mm. the most royalist out of out of all of us here. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm related to Lady Diana Spencer. Um, what was your impression when she was around the actual sale GP? Did she was it an absolute circus or? No, it was really cool actually. I mean, um, we sort of got a lot of us got chased away. Like we didn't get to go too close. Like our, our mate Henry Woodhouse was the man that uh, he he gave her the whole safety briefing and stuff. So he got his hands on Kate, which is you know. I don't think anybody would begrudge him that. Uh, it's not his style, of course. He likes uh, he likes a slightly different shaped woman, um, as we know, and uh, his beautiful <laughs> wife. I meant that in the nicest possible way, Henry. If you're listening, he actually <laughs> that came across terribly. He 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 knows exactly oh, what he likes, okay. and he's got a beautiful oh, wife. Okay. He loves deeply. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, stop yeah. digging holes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so what happened? Um, there was a lot of cops suddenly appeared, which was cool because yep. they were super nice. It was really good. There were supposedly snipers uh, spread around just to watching for people. So we were under, we were under quite high level supervision. Um, they told us not to take photos. Um, I, I, I gave the same message back. I said, "Look, you know, if can you just tell Kate?" As no, you mentioned, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done that, have I? I've done some that. Joke. Basically, basically, this is going somewhere. Okay. So I stumbled across an article yeah, throughout yeah, the week. Yeah. Check this out. The Duchess of Cambridge boasts an impressive fitness repertoire from tennis to rowing, running to sailing and more. The royal sporting talents are so respected, she's even landed herself the opportunity to compete alongside Olympians. Oh, dear. <laughs> so essentially they've written that now she is a – critical part of oh the Sail GP team. Oh, dear. <laughs> and then it goes into what she was wearing, yeah, yeah. you know, the tailored white yeah. linen short from British heritage brand Holland Cooper at $243 yeah. um, and a striped navy sweater. She looked perfectly preppy <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. That... to show off her super toned legs. So this is where it's ended up in the, oh, in the UK press, oh that she is now a critical part of that team. Good. But as we all know, it's a whole different story mm. to that. But it brought a whole lot of attention to it. So it'll mm. be good to see what the spin-off here is. Mm. Um, I wonder how she went world. with Gibbs and Parker, you know, two Aussies on that boat, you know, two, two convicts. Did she call no, them Wouldn't convicts? be able to understand them anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> Not those two, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, no, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, I did manage to spend a lot of the day that day with uh, Slingsby's missus, and um, she. The one thing about her, she's absolutely lovely, uh, but she loves to tell stories. Uh, she's very forthcoming in conversation, and Slingers like after the day, he knew that she'd probably shared too much information. And he looked at me, and Ooh. I just said, "Don't worry, mate. I'll never sh- I'll no. never sh- share a word." <laughs> That's right. We'll, 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 if you all of a sudden hear the segment come back on the air called The Secret Pro, though. Yeah. 
yeah. The secret, um, the secret bedtime names. Yes. Cool. Cool. Good. What else? Oh, well, like I said, there's a whole lot going so on. Much. I mentioned it last week. So much. Um, we've got the Round Britain Island race. Yeah. I mean, nothing to really to report on. Yeah. Four days in, they've done 600 miles. Or the leader of the fleet, yeah. which is Medallia Pip Hare, yep. has only done 600 miles, got 1,200 to go. Um, who knows? This could be yeah. the, like the longest race. They're going to run history. out of food. Yeah. Run so um, let's see what happens there. Again, go to sail.org, uh, planetsail.org, or check out Flotilla for any updates on anything mm. you want. Um, Just, uh, for example, yeah. the, the OK Worlds are on, big resurgence in the OK Worlds. Um, they're off Marstrand in Sweden, which is a great sailing venue. Um, uh, Charlie Crumbly or Cumbly is leading that from uh, Thomas Hansen Mild, Mild or Mild. Probably, and then Lars. Oh, yep. That's what we forgot to make. We spoke about it last week, but the launch of Red Bull yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in yeah. Barcelona. Yeah. Um, and we're now seeing um, Dean Barker there as coach. Not yep. sure if it's official coach, yep. but we're seeing a few things going on over there. I'll be yep. interested to see where this all ends up, especially yep. with Red Bull, Jimmy, a few things like that. But picture this, first day out. I'm not sure if they've been sailing yet. But head coach stands up, Dino. Yeah. And he says exactly that. All right, boys, we've got a manoeuvre. We're going straight into the Dino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Late tack, early bear away, hoist and crash. <laughs> crash, yeah. I love it. Yeah. The Dino. Uh, um, yeah, just looking at that, but obviously that's uh, that's the original New Zealand boat. That's isn't the it? original Team New Zealand boat, boat mm. one. Yeah. Um, so word word on the street though it is bad luck to change the name, especially as a Maori name. Yeah. Of the of the original um, boat name. So we, like I said, we are a superstitious mob. Let's see. Hope that doesn't turn in. Best we actually get them on quick smart to give them the Barkerati curse. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we should do that. Um, if you look at the pictures when she's. Hoisted in the air, you can see asymmetric, like completely different foils and uh, uh, legs to the foils on each side. Um, yeah. So they're they're clearly set up to experiment. So yeah, boat zero, I guess, for the Italians. Um, good. It's good to see it happening. Swiss, the Swiss, Swiss. Sorry, Swiss. Sorry, I yeah. just automatically just went. Uh, yeah, I went a lingi. And uh, went to Italian. I do not know why. I just, yeah, thank you. I, I guess I have to make a mistake every episode. That's become my habit recently. So good on you for. <laughs> <laughs> do we tell the listeners now? Maybe yeah. on the on our on our wind out here when BP slides in, we can just give a little insight as to what happened last week. Did, did anything when uh, we forgot? Well, exactly. We didn't uh, press. The record. one oh. button, which is quite critical oh. when you record. <laughs> oh, you don't know how hard I focused on that tonight. <laughs> cool. Uh, hey, mate. Else? That's it. I think, no, that, I think that that's it. Plenty going on. Keep a lookout. Um, Particularly feel free for the message. The ground call. up doco. That'd be cool. Yep. Everything's good. Absolutely. Yeah. And another, you know, uh, beat cut the Barkerati fix it episode mm. send in any questions you got we we like a good discussion so bring it on 
Cool. Love it. All right, man. Good work. It's been a ton Enjoy. of fun seeing your face again. Look forward to seeing what happens the next couple of days, and then uh, you're back to Oz, my friend. Back to Oz. Can't wait to get home, see the bride. Can't wait and, till you're home with yeah. your Irish accent. Oh, yeah, that'd be grand. Be grand. Oh, I've started grand. saying grand. grand. Uh, they've corrupted me. That they're lovely people. <laughs> it's a good place. Well, the more Guinness you you uh, drink, mm. the more grand it is. Mm, yeah, indeed. So. Indeed. All right, mate. Have a good one. Cool, mate. Good one. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>